Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. ¿Qué pasa, mi gente? It's your girl, Becky G, aquí en La Sala. Welcome back if you were here for last week's episode. And if you are new to The Sala, you are still welcome here. I am so excited for this episode. I feel like I'm excited for every single episode, to be honest, because all of these topics are so important to me in so many different ways. But today I have three very special guests joining me to talk about something a little bit different than anything else we've really spoken about, which is sports. We have athlete and activist JaVale McGee, two-time Olympic gold medalist in U.S. soccer, and now one of the owners of the new L.A. soccer team, Angel City, Angela Hughley's. And last but not least, comedian, talk show host, and also a fellow owner of Angel City, my girl, Lily Singh. Take a seat, mi gente, because we are about to spill the cafecito. Today, we are talking about sports with athletes who are really making a difference, not just on the field, but also off the field. Sports for me has been a huge part of my life since I was a little girl. I actually played soccer. I had my little AYSO days. Not that that, you know, my pro career was going to go anywhere, but your girl wasn't too bad out there. I was I, I moved nice on the field and it's a huge part of my childhood to be honest you know I learned a lot um, while playing sports what it was to be dedicated to something showing up for practices being a part of a team and the hard work that goes along to it you know my dad you know my brother my mom my sister Alex you know going it was a family thing going to soccer games and whether it was me on the field or my brother Frankie my sister Stephanie played as well uh it's it's a environment that I'm very familiar with that I you know have a lot of happy memories with and also just you know football in general or soccer for the uh, American folks it's a huge part of my culture too as a Latina you know my grandparents um love soccer so much. I grew up watching games with them all the time, you know, Chivas games, we're a Chivas family, well, at least some of my family, my grandparents specifically. Um, there's some America fans also in my family, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> and yeah, it's a, it was a bonding experience with my grandparents. And then obviously, you know, my heart is also um, now involved with Sebastian, who is just a true example of what it is to be so diligent and so dedicated um, to the, the world of sports. I mean, he got into it at a very, very young age. He got scouted when he was about 14 years old and basically moved away to another country um, to pursue his career. And and it's, it's a world of great sacrifice. You know, it isn't, there's a lot of similarities when it comes to the music world. And then there's also a lot of differences that have been, um, I guess, very educational for me in many ways. Another exciting thing that makes this episode so special to me is I recently just announced that I am an owner, officially an owner of the Angel City Football Club, which is the first female soccer club in my city, pro team. Um, it makes me incredibly proud because growing up as a young girl playing soccer, I think I would have played a lot differently 
if I knew that there was even the slightest chance that I could play from my hometown, from my city. And to know that we are going to be putting so much efforts into changing the industry standard for women in sports, but also setting it up for the youth. We have a special hyper-focus in community and setting up the future generations to have the best opportunity when it comes to sports and specifically soccer. And as I talk about Angel City and like I said, you know, putting in a focus on changing the industry standard um, for women in sports, but also the community aspect. And it just goes to show that, you know, when I got involved with Angel City, it was really because it wasn't just about the entertainment that was going to be provided on the field, but bringing awareness to the platform overall and showing people that, you know, we are all human beings at the end of the day. We all have dreams and we are all um, capable and worthy of accomplishing them. And it's important that we do what we can to help others reach those dreams and those goals. Um, And a lot of the individuals that are involved with this team have done the the work themselves have been the athletes on the pitch themselves actually one of them today Angela who's going to be on with us is so incredible and has lived the life so she can really speak to that um and like I said what our hopes are to change uh the future uh for for females in soccer same with Lily. I mean, you know, we got a, a pretty dope list of amazing, amazing, amazing owners uh, that are involved with Angel City. And everyone is just as passionate about what's happening off the field as well as on. Now entering La Sala is LA Laker player, three-time champ, and my dear friend, JaVale McGee. My boy, what is up, first of all? What's going on? What's going on? Can we just talk real quick? Congratulations to the squad on the big win. How are you feeling? Are you a little hungover? Because I've seen, you know, I've heard there's been a little bit of celebrations going on, which I don't, I mean, I think the whole Laker Nation can relate. We're still on a high. No, um, yeah, definitely, it's definitely been a little bit of celebration. Um, I'm all recovered up, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a great experience. We glad we we just glad that we can bring some good news to 2020, man. Um, it's been a rough year, but at least uh, we get to get some good news in LA. And besides the big win too, I feel like um, obviously from the outside looking in, it's the bubble. It's it's kind of like a, a crazy concept, you know. I want to know what the experience was kind of like living in the bubble because y'all lived there. Like, you guys were there yeah, for there. a long three, time. Three months. Three months. months. And, and it looks great from the outside, too. Everybody, I've seen comments, you know, people like, oh, they're living big. They're on a resort. They're on a this. And I'm just like, oh, the sacrifice. Like, finally, when you guys uh, were reunited with family, I'm sure it was amazing. I know you vlogged that, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, in the beginning, it wasn't that bad. It was like being on a resort for uh, two, three weeks. That was cool. Everything was still new. Um, I would say probably month and a half, two months in, you start getting kind of like antsy. Like, man, I'm in one room. I do the same thing every day. It's like going away to boarding school. Because, you know, Ooh. when you're in boarding school, you had a good, good place. You know what I'm saying? You have mm-hmm. obviously have money to go to boarding school. Yeah. But no one wants to be in boarding school. But. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This yeah. is true. I, and I think, you know, just like on, on a humane level, it's, you know, COVID um, 
and whatever this was actually one of the first things that I did during the quarantine was hop on that IG live with you um, before the bubble was even announced before it was even yeah. a thing I appreciate and um, that too. Oh my God, of course, you know, you can count on me always. Um, and, and, you know, we're talking about family and, and how I said, I, I know you documented, um, you know, what it was like to be reunited, have your family with you. I know you come from a, a basketball playing family too, you know, your parents, your sister. I actually learned that your mom uh, was the first WNBA player to have a son and daughter play in the NBA. So I, I have to ask you, like in this time, you know, reaching um, and and facing new challenges, does like any advice that you've ever gotten from your parents, specifically your mom, ever come to mind when having to push through in these, you know, tough uh, times? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been through a lot of tough times when it comes to my basketball career, injuries, uh, losing seasons. And uh, my mother's always been there just telling me, uh, Either keeping it real with me, like uh, you're gonna have to do something extra, work harder, or your your, your career is gonna be over, or being having my back, like okay, keep pushing. Um, you you have to be the hard, hardest working guy in the gym, um, and if you do that, there's nothing you can complain about. There's nothing you can regret. Regret. So um, my mother's always been been that that flame under me that just keeps me going. Um, even when I was younger, I could tell a story. I always tell the story. Um, I think it was my like my sophomore year in high school. I'm on JV. Uh, I'm playing. I practice. My mother. Oh, my mother was actually my assistant coach in high school. My sophomore wow. year. Yeah. So she supposedly said I was bullshitting in practice. Um, so after practice, she told me like, "Yo, you was bullshitting. You need to like step it up. Like, what was you doing?" I'm like, "All right, I thought I was working hard, but okay, whatever." So she proceeds to wake me up at 5:45 a.m. and this is in Michigan in the winter, uh, and decides to run me around Southwestern High School in Flint, Michigan, multiple times in Timberland boots. So I was just like, what am I doing? But <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't have that vision that she had uh, of what it took to, to make it. So I appreciate yeah. everything she's ever done. That's amazing. And that's so beautiful. I mean, what we get from our families, we're so fortunate, so blessed to have those relationships with us. My dad would always tell me, you miss 100 percent of the shots you never take. So what do you got to lose? Just just go for it. You know, no shortcuts. Um, you got to work hard for it. No one in the room can want it more than you. And it's it's amazing that you bring up your hometown, too, because actually something I wanted to talk about was um, your advocacy. You know, one of the things we also bonded over um, was you introducing me to Jug Life. And I've seen your advocacy advocacy in many, many ways, especially in regards to, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything going on with the NBA. But speaking of your hometown in Flint, Michigan, um, you know, this is something that we've I know I've been aware of for a very long time now, but some people still have yet to understand, you know, just how important this is. So if you could just share with us um, why Jug Life and, and you know, what we can do to help and, and, right. and spread awareness. Um, so Jug Life is my, uh, me and my business partner, Kez, is a foundation. Um, we build water wells in Uganda, and we also uh, go around the United States and teach kids the importance of drinking water and living an active and healthy lifestyle. Um, and we also, in my hometown of Flint, Michigan, if everybody doesn't know, has a uh, water crisis where they're infested with lead in the water. So uh, we donate water and do turkey drives in, uh, in my hometown. We do that every year. 
Um, so uh, it, it's really touches home to me just because, and the crazy part is I started Jug Life before we found out about the water crisis. So when that happened, when we found out about that, it just fell, fell into place. Like, wow, maybe I'm meant to be doing this. Um, maybe this is something that, that really uh, I was called to do. Um, it's, and it's definitely a blessing. Uh, the thing about Flint is, a lot of people don't realize they think Detroit is bad. Flint is actually worse, um, but it's such a smaller city, so no one talks about it. Um, so they they definitely need now they have two NBA champions, me and Kyle Kuzma, and that's a beautiful thing. When I won my when I won my first championship, I took the trophy there. We had a parade and everything, but thanks to coronavirus, we will not have uh any parades this year? Any parades? We can celebrate in other ways. That's the that's the for amazing sure, thing about sure. the solutions that we have. Um, and and you know we're speaking about activism here. And one of the things too that I think is really important to acknowledge is that you know Flint has a predominantly um, you know black community. And 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 here we are also talking about what the NBA has done and created a space for um, Black Lives Matter. And I know you've been really really vocal about it as well as the league. And I think it's really important in these times to speak up. And, and I was really looking forward to this conversation with you because I know it must have been difficult to keep your head on straight and continue playing and, and accomplishing, you know, as a team, what is your job. But at the same time, you know, people are so quick to say, shut up and dribble. And you, you're conf you're conflicted in so many ways, but you got to speak your truth, you know. And, and something I've been repeating to myself is, damn, like, why do we love our black men and women when they're winning on our favorite sports teams, but when they're being killed, it's too easy for people to stay silent. And it's something that I think a lot of people should think about, even if they don't consider themselves part of the black community. It's like, that's where this middle space that we need to eliminate, um, it's given a, a little people, a lot of people, a little bit too much leeway to be like, oh, I don't do politics. Like this is so for much sure. bigger than politics, for you know. Sure. So what was that ex experience like for you? You know, um, I definitely think people don't really dive into the fact that they the 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 world that we live in, the social media world we live in, where information just in our face all the time. We see a lot of things that we shouldn't be seeing so often to where we is it's a normalcy to it. Uh, for example, killing black men. And police killing black men. Um, we've seen it so much that it's it's not a, a, a it's not a boycott every time it happens because it happens so much. When if you think about it, when Rodney King in L.A. when the riots happened, he didn't even get killed. He just got hit. He not just got hit, but he was beat up with with billy clubs and really beat up. These guys are getting killed, and they, there was nothing happening. So, I mean. Uh, the way the NBA handled it, the Black Lives Matter on the court, everybody having their names on the back of the jerseys or the sayings on the back of the jerseys. Uh, I feel like the NBA really took took advantage of the fact. And obviously the NBA players who had to uh, step up and really talk to the NBA about what we wanted and what we needed for our black communities, um, because 90 percent even higher of the NBA is black. So you got you got to look at there like that, that black man who just got killed uh, by the police. That's uh, one of your 
favorite basketball players. You know what I'm saying? You got to take that into perspective because if we missed one class that senior year in high, in high school, we could have not went to college and not went to the NBA. So that could have been us for real. Right. So that's that's the thing we got to think about. And uh, I don't have a son, but I have a daughter. Um, and I couldn't imagine guys with 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 children, especially black sons having to worry about their 16-year-old going to drive. That's their first time driving, being pulled over and accused of something they didn't do and maybe killed just because they didn't have their hands on the steering wheel. So it's a lot of things that us as the Black community and us as the world have to look at and really dive into and understand that we just want equality for everyone. We want everybody to have the same rights, the same opportunities, um, and we'll be good. That's all we're asking for. Yeah. And, and, and speaking to, you know, the platform of what is the NBA and, and we all know the viewership, especially in during a time like this, you know, for some people, it's like a form of escapism, you know, to escape the real world. But I'm, I'm so proud of what you guys were able to accomplish. And it's, it's, it's actually the least the NBA could do because you're so right. It could be you. It could be your teammates and it could be your sons. It could be your daughters, too. I mean, we can't forget what happened to Breonna Taylor as well. You know, this this is something that happens to the black community too often. And the desensitization, you know, because of social media, we're witnessing people's deaths in real time. It's just it. It is only right that even individuals like myself, you know, I'm a light skinned Latina. I have to, to me, I have to recognize my privilege. You know, I, I've definitely experienced discrimination, but I'll never know what it's like to be black in America, you know? So it's having these conversations between you and I and showing people that allyship is is very important. For sure. And us, um, you know, really breaking down the boxes and saying, I'm not going to shut up and dribble or people tell me, you know, shut up and sing, that use your voice for, for your music, not for anything else. And and um, I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really proud to to call you my friend and... Um, I want to pivot into a little bit of a, a lighter direction. You know, like you said, 2020 has been a very, it's been a bittersweet um, year, you know, bitter in a lot of ways, but sweet. You know, you bring trophy home to my hometown, L.A. So, and so. Um, as I mentioned before, I am from Inglewood. I know you have, you had or you have a studio in Inglewood, right? I got a studio in Inglewood. You got a yeah. stu- studio. Yeah. Okay. So when are we going to hit that collab real quick? Hey, I'm just kidding. Less. Say less. Say less. Um, no, but seriously, I would love to chat about um, your love for creating music. I mean, that was something really interesting that I had learned about you that I had no idea mm-hmm. uh, very early on that you produced music. I know you actually just released a song, right? Yeah, yeah. Mad uh, featuring TK Kravitz and uh, Sage the Gemini. It's going Dope. crazy. People loving it. Um, y'all go ahead and go get that. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I- I've been passionate about music. Uh, I would say forever. I just didn't know how to do it. I I couldn't afford piano lessons and all of that. So the first time I got a little bit of money to get a computer, which was my freshman year in college. Was it my freshman year in college? Yes, my freshman year in college. uh, I downloaded FL Studio. And from there on, I'm a tech guy out of anything. So I just learned how to technically produce not like the chords and the yeah notes. not proper you you can't yeah. read we can't read i can't read music for shit but exactly. i can hear it i can hear it's it a feeling which exactly. is amazing about music exactly. right it's a feeling so my my freshman year in college with my uh my roommate and my teammate we made a whole album we photoshopped the uh uh, a whole uh, album cover. We thought we was doing it. Um, it was horrible, by the way. 
But that was like the beginning of damn, I really like this music thing. And and I, I would have I would have thoughts in my mind like, okay, if this basketball thing don't work out, then I'm gonna produce. But I never really thought like, oh, I could do both I could at do the same both. time. I never thought about that. No, that's really cool. That's so cool. And I'm sure that's super inspiring to a lot of individuals out there because a lot of people think you need money or you need, you know, access to the highest of the highest quality stuff. Nowadays, if you have a laptop, sometimes even just the iPad, mm-hmm. you can be great. It can mm-hmm. give you a start to be great. Yeah, making something out of nothing, I think, is something that our communities are a little too familiar with. And I always tell them, take that, take that essence outside of your community and in spaces that you're told not to be in. And I promise you, you will prove everybody wrong. I always tell people, I may not be the most talented person in the room, but no one will outwork me. So you got to just like whoever's out here listening, you want to do music, you want to do whatever, like it is possible. It is not impossible. Hard work. Yep. Last two questions, because we are an Amazon music podcast and um, we're all about music here. uh, I want to know two things from you. Song that you listen to to get pumped up before a game, your pregame song. um, What what is that? Um, It'll probably be uh, Drake Elevate. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Okay. It's a nice little fast tempo song. Nice Mm -hmm. little get you right. You know how it go. Yep. And then the second one is the song on repeat that maybe is not like your your get ready song, um, but that has gotten you through the quarantine. It could be random. It could be something super like could be your favorite song of all time that always gets you in a good mood. The song that is on repeat, you know, what? I'm going to check right now. <laughs> I need it. I need to you check say, right Becky now. G, my life's not bad. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not laughs> Let me see. Oh, you know what? Lemonade by Don Tolliver. Ooh. Yeah. Then the remix just came out with Roddy with my okay. guy Roddy. So yeah, that, that's I like the, that. The melodies in that song are crazy. Like you don't even you don't even have to know the lyrics for that one. No, it's just it feels good. Yeah, it feels yeah, good. Yeah, it feels good. I love for it. Sure. There's a remix out. There's a remix of Roddy Rich. Go ahead, Ooh, check I it out. Check it out. For sure. For sure. All right, my guy. Well, I know you got to get going. I'm so thankful for your time. Like I said, so thankful for our friendship. And you know, you can always count on me. And thank you for uh, allowing me to count on you on my very first sports episode on my In La Sala podcast. Nice. I appreciate you having me and congrats on the podcast. You're doing amazing. Thank you so much. For sure. Mi gente aquí en la sala. I am so honored to have you here. Not only as a fellow owner, but a true star athlete, an Olympian, and an advocate for women in sports. Everybody, Angela. Cute, please. <laughs> Hi, Mama. Becky G. Hey, how's it going? I am so good. So happy to have you here. I just got to mention, you know, you're a two-time gold medalist in the <laughs> Olympics, two-time bronze World Cup. I mean, I know you're also, you're from Virginia Beach. Right. That's correct. Yeah. Where you are did you calling your us from? I, I did. You know, I got. I'm new to hosting, but I like to. You know, I like to to know who I have the privilege to speak with on this um, podcast. I think it's uh, been a new space for me to really connect to my audience. You know, and um, have these really awesome conversations about things that mean so much to us, and how we can further educate ourselves on these things. And um, as I said, you're from Virginia Beach, but where where are you calling us from right now in this very moment? 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I am honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And (laughs) it's a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I love what you're doing with your platform as well. So thank you. uh, The honor is is definitely mine as well. And I am actually in Los Angeles. So I'm I'm here. Yep. I'm here based here. And you're based here. You live here now. I do. I do. How long have you lived uh, in LA? Nine years now. Mm, that's been a minute. You're, Almost, a, right? you're an adapted Angelino. Exactly. I'm, I'm a local now, kind of. I love it. I love it. Is this also what you, so you've been spending the quarantine here? I'm I have. sure. How's right. that been? Good. You know, I think obviously that it's, it's had its ups and downs and, you know, just keeping it real. It's, you know, we'll have our COVID weeks and COVID blues um, every now and again. But uh, I have a three-year-old son and a now four-month-old daughter. So, Thank you know, we're just holding down the fort and my wife does a great job because she basically does like you know, daycare slash homeschool and uh, allows me to, you know, kind of do some other things and work and um, just have some, some good opportunities. And I just love that. I, my commute is here. I get to see my kiddos, you know, grow up. That's so, amazing. Um, we're, yeah, we're taking it in stride. All the parents, right? you know, shout out to all the oh parents who are navigating this new space, who have become teachers at home, Absolutely. who have become their own, you know, daycare specialists <laughs> um, at the same time as, you know, trying to get what they needed to get done for their own selves. And, and it yeah. sounds like you guys are doing a really great job at navigating the balance. So congrats to you guys. Cause Thank I know you. it cannot be easy. <laughs> I'm the oldest of four kids. Okay. Um, yep. I'm yep. the, I, mama number two in the house. So when my siblings call for my mom, I answer yes. Um, Cause I, I can't help it, you know? Exactly. So I, I feel you on, on that for sure. Absolutely. It's fun. Family's great. Yeah. So. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's, it's been an interesting time. I think 2020 has been bittersweet in a lot of ways. Um, but some of the good news, some of the sweet has come from, you know, the amazing announcement of what is Angel City. Absolutely. And oh man, I am so so honored to be a part of an incredible founding group of owners that really believe in the me- the message and in the um, mission of what is Angel City. And, and obviously we're going to talk about that today. So I heard that in your career early on, it was actually reminding me a lot of a similar situation. My boyfriend, Sebastian went into um, his first time starting on uh, the LA Galaxy team was due to an injury to uh, a midfielder and it was obviously unexpected. It happened actually in warmups. So the game hadn't even started. And, you know, he had been spending some time on on the bench as as a newbie to the team. And that happened and coach looked over at him and was like, you ready? And he was like, I think so, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And he happened and and that happened. So um, that's kind of what happened to you in the 2008 Olympics, right? You didn't expect to play as fast as you did, but Abby had an injury. And that pushed you into the starting lineup. What was that opportunity for you? What did that feel like? Do you remember that that moment when you were like, oh, shit, it's happening? Yeah, yeah. Sebastian and I, sounds, sounds like we have a lot in common. <laughs> um, but you know what? I think, I think as professional athletes and I think as competitors, you know, if you're doing your job right, no matter if you're on you know, on the field as a starter or on the bench, you know, you're prepared for whatever moment because, you know, just as in life, sport can be a great teacher of life. And, you know, there are so many unknowns, right? There's so many factors that you can't predict, you can't necessarily prepare for. 
Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely remember that moment because we were actually stateside. It was our last game before even going over to China. Uh, we literally had our flight the next morning to go to the Olympics. And um, Abby went into a slide tackle with one of the Brazilian defenders. And it was pretty much instantly, um, you know, she was down on the ground. And, you know, for anybody who knows Abby, you know, if she's down and she's staying down there, there's there's a reason there's for it. There's a good so, reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it was I mean, it was pretty eerie, to be honest. You know, I think everybody was just like completely silent in the stadium. Um, and that flight over, you know, was kind of the same thing as, you know, Sebastian on the sideline talking to coach. It was, you know, my coach, Pia Sundhag, saying, listen, we're going to be switching things up. Um, you're not only going to become a starter for this 2008 Olympics and change your role there, but we want you to play forward, which I was a midfielder in my professional career. Um, I played forward growing up, but, you know, that was definitely another switch. And here's the new game plan. So it's just like instantly just that mentality switched. Um, so just trying to take take an opportunity and and much like 2020, see the the positives and the benefits and the opportunity within it versus sitting with the sadness, the disappointment and right. you know, the other things that could have kind of really consumed us. 100%. And, and, and you saying it was such an eerie moment. I mean, at the end of the day, you're a team, right? So you sympathize um, and, and you're, you're, incomplete devastation for your teammate, but at the same time, you're part of a team and it's like tag you're in, you know, so right. what, what, what I can't do now, I, I need you to come through. And it's interesting. You're even talking about, you know, the switch in positions because to someone it's like, well, you, you know, someone on the outside who doesn't really get it, which I'm still <laughs> new to the space. Like I'm just sure, growing yeah. up as a kid, but um, <laughs> it actually makes a really big difference. You know, someone's like, you just play soccer. You just go where they put you. And it's like, actually, every position is so purposeful and also depending on like the, um, the approach, right. That your coach implements what the system is. Um, it can change everything, especially even what side you're on, you know, as a midfielder, are you playing right side, are you playing left side? Like, how does that work? And so to be able to just pivot and say, I'm doing this and I'm going to do it the best that I absolutely can is just amazing. And, and I really like, it's so cool to hear and so inspiring because I feel like that's something that a lot of us can put into context, as you said, in 2020 and just say like, we didn't have this planned. No one did as a society. I think right now we're all really reflecting more than ever. And I love that you're saying taking something that could be a negative and turning it into a positive. My parents always say when shit hits the fan, that's when you got to lean into it more. Right. Absolutely. Don't run away. This is an opportunity. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you, you, you know what you're talking about with the game and, and that's why I love sports. Right. And it's just such a, a fantastic replication for life and so many life lessons you can draw from it. And, you know, this year is all about mentality, the psyche, you know, getting through tough times. And this is such a unique experience because every single person in the entire world is living it at the same time. Um, and much like sport, you know, you really have to take that time to reflect, to understand who you are, what type of person you are, what type of person you might want to be. Um, and, and now is the time, right? Now is the time to understand that you actually are probably more than you realize. Yep. Right? You have the strength, you do have the skills and, you know, you have the power. And I think a lot of times we forget that. And it's not until we're tested that we can really see it and understand it and realize it. And, and that's what I think this year is all about. Definitely. 100 um, percent. I know you were also the former president of Women's Sports Foundation. And 
I also want to just like ask you what you learned as far as like, I don't know, the growth of women in sports while leading the foundation. And then also, you know, even your time after, like what changes do you think still need to be made for women in the athletic world? First and foremost, Billie Jean King, living legend, um, just incredible to you know, be a part of her organization that she started and to see her, to be in the boardroom with her, to listen to her, just kind of soak everything in. Um, and I think being a part of the Women's Sports Foundation, and, I, and I'm, I've been affiliated with them for probably over 20 years now, um, mm-hmm. since I first was introduced to them uh, by my captain, Julie Foudy on the national team. But I think a, a couple of things stand out. One, just the importance that sports can play in especially females' lives. Um, and the attributes that can keep them safe by playing in sports, playing with teams, not just physically, but mentally, psychologically, and then how much further we still have to come. Um, I think there have been so many steps and strides and progress when you look at uh, social issues for women, for girls, and specifically in the sports arena, but there's still so much to do, you know, with the passing of Title IX and kind of being able to have more opportunities, Yeah, uh, but, but we're still having the same discussions that we did 20 years ago, right? And so how can we, you know, use our platforms, use the knowledge, use the time that we're in to now propel, you know, use this tipping point. I think we're at a tipping point, really, you know, when we look at so many social issues um, to propel us forward. Yeah. And that's what I loved so much about getting involved with Angel City was it was we we made it very clear that the mission is so much more than the game. Right. You know, it's even what happens off the pitch. It's what yeah. happens after, you know, these professional careers. Um, we've know of their time on the pitch and how can we change the industry standard to make sure that there is protection for these players and their future families and the, and the future generations to come. And one of the things that I really want to mention is you know, I read, and it's still the truth, you know, that there's the disproportionate numbers of black women in soccer, especially when you played, like when you first stepped out onto the scene, you were one of the few. And I want to ask you, like, why do you think that is? And what we can do to encourage our girls, especially young girls of color, because like I grew up in Inglewood, it's a brown and black community, one like hands down. And I know I would have played differently if I knew I had a pro team that I could have potentially played for growing up, I would have played with different intention. I mean, not that my pro, you know, career was going to go anywhere because I wasn't that good, but <laughs> you know, I, I would have played with a different intention knowing that there was a space created for girls like us who, you know, didn't see ourselves necessarily reflected on a professional level in sports. And I think that's the first step is, you know, kind of see it to believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. And being a model, being a voice, um, showing the possibilities that do exist when, you know, as a little girl, you don't even know that things are possible. Uh, when I first started playing, I played with all boys. I, I didn't even have girls teams that I could compete for. And now look at the growth. Um, and so that's something that I always take very seriously. And I, and I know that you do too, in terms yeah. of just being that example, um, being a voice for people who might not have it yet and, and are still learning to develop their own voice. But, you know, safe spaces are such a critical issue for people of color, you know, being able to have environments that they can safely play uh, the, the game and the sport. And I think that's one thing you see a lot of different organizations and foundations trying to help with that. But I mean, that's one of the reasons that I, I do love Angel City so much is that, you know, from the very beginning, the importance of being in the community. And this is a very community focused team and organization. And to be able to show 
those examples to show people like us uh, in the positions that we are because we were just like them, right? And, and it's we're no different. And I think being able to establish the commonalities between us and a little six-year-old or seven-year-old girl or boy, you know, and to show that powerful example, I think is is part of how we really correct it. Definitely. And and representation is so crucial and so important in order for us, especially even in, in my world, you know, in, in the entertainment industry, I always say we can't connect to our audience without being a true reflection of them. And, right. you know, I've heard you mention before, or maybe you posted it, that you were a triple threat and for different reasons, <laughs> yeah. you know, because you are a woman in sports, because you are a black woman in sports. And then on top of that, you are a proud queer black woman in sports. And I actually just last week, I did um, a pride episode to really talk about, you know, what is being a true ally? Like I I was announced a honorary queer just that day from my cousin and (laughs) and, and, uh, my producer on the other side of, of the podcast, because my ideology and just really believing in equality and just understanding that this representation goes so far. And, and pride is just more than just a week, a month that we celebrate, it should be 365 days a year. And when you played women in public figures specifically weren't as open or as visible compared to now. And I, I want to know like what that environment was like for you as a queer woman, as a player, and what changes you think we still need to make in sports and as a country in the context of that. Because we're here we are talking about breaking down boxes and making sure that they don't exist. But labels and things are kind of crucial for us to be able to see the representation, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think... I think there's so so much we could break down with this, know, but right? um, first and foremost, safety. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing is just knowing that I was safe because if I didn't feel that, or if there was a hint of questioning of that environment that I was in, then I was more hesitant to just be myself and not, not second guess or think or have to spend so much energy in terms of thinking of what I was going to say next. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that I remember, especially growing up. And, you know, in part was just being comfortable with who I was and and am. And I think that's definitely a huge part of it. But there was just so much energy in almost protecting myself because I wasn't sure if I would be protected in the environment that I was in. Um, That that's just one big thing, just the safety issue. And knowing that it's okay to identify in different ways. I mean, the other part of my identity that I'm actually, I feel more newly discovering is uh, my Cuban heritage. You know, my mom's side, my great grandfather came from Cuba. And I think at one point down the line, I felt like I wasn't able to identify, you know, with that side and only identify as a black person. And so um, thank you, Los Angeles, it's interesting too. Cause I think, you know, they always refer to us as minority communities. And yeah. I always say like, we are the majority though. When we come Absolutely. together, we are the majority. And also I'm really happy to hear you say that. Like there was this thing within me that I had no idea about. And then once you start learning about it, this, this pride just starts to come through and you're like, man, I am connected to something bigger than me. Like that also has been something I've personally been acknowledging and recognizing, like being a part of Angel City, so much bigger than me. How powerful is that? Amazing. It's so empowering and so humbling too, because 
you know, we are women of great accomplishments who have sacrificed and dedicated so much to our careers, but at the same time, knowing that there's still so much more to do and so much more to get involved in. And, you know, you mentioned the community aspect of Angel City. And I think that it would be nice for you to just share, like, what is, you know, the, the, the thing that you are most excited about being an owner of, of this soccer team? Like, <laughs> and you it's just hard one? to choose, right? I know. <laughs> yeah. But like your, your top thing, like what, what would that be for you? Yeah. I mean, I can't put in just one, but I will try. Um, for me, I think it's definitely looking at the investor group and just the diversity within it and, and how eclectic we are as a group. And we each all have our individual stories, right? But to be able to collectively come together and then to, as a group, look at how we can really grow this game and grow the sport, especially when we talk about women's soccer in our country. Um, for me, that's the most exciting part because I, I can see the potential. I know how amazing this group is. And so to have all of us and know that women's soccer in this specific club is in good hands. I mean, that's, that's what excites me. What's, what's yours? <laughs> that's it, it's actually the same thing. Cause even just like soccer in general, like you mentioned, it's, it's not the biggest sport right now in America, but I I've traveled to so many other places and it is just like music, like almost like a, a language that it seems like everybody else speaks, you know, and, and it's really amazing and it's so moving and, and it's a, a huge um, cultural platform to unite a lot of people and to have an opportunity to bring awareness, like I said, and change what is the industry standard for, um, you know, the world of football, but specifically for women in sports. I think that's like, right. that for me is just like, we're already a part of history like in my city like I am a part of my city's history which is just like mind-blowing and then on top of that we can change the game literally for so many others to come and it's really cool to have individuals like yourself you know who have lived the life which is really really hard to understand I think that um that's one thing that you know because my partner is also a, a footballer like seeing the dedication and the sacrifice and the choices that he makes on a daily basis to to better himself mentally and physically it's just so inspiring and um I really just I admire you guys for being so dedicated and so diligent because it, it does it teaches you so much more off the field you know, and, and that's why I'm excited to bring, you know, the sport to, to the youth and the community, because I think that there's a lot of um, structure that our communities, they need somewhere to belong. You know, they, they need to know what it's like to work as a team and to know what they bring to the table and really work on that and be the best that they can be. So it's yeah. Angel City's the shit. That's all I'm going to say. Angel City. Yeah, it is. Right. ACFC, <laughs> baby. We are coming. We are places. here. We're already Watch here. Out. Yeah, estamos <laughs> right? as I would say. Um, uh, I, would. I love it. There's also a part of this podcast that we do called Play That Track, and it's like where we talk about music because it is an Amazon Music podcast. Um, I want to ask you, what is the song or songs, if it's more than one, that you've listened to on repeat throughout the quarantena, the quarantine? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's that I'm, I have to do Alicia Keys, Girls on Ooh. Fire. Um, yes. Just just the power. It's, you know, a little bit old school now, um, but it's just it's like my 
my pregame song, right? And, I love and that. just that empowerment and just, hey, no, you know what? We still got this. Um, and just kind of finding that, that place in myself where I do feel that power and can kind of bring it. I love it. We also have another segment in the podcast where it's called Mala Santa. And I'll explain to you what Mala Santa is to me. Um, one, it's the name of my first and last album that I released, uh, but it's like the angel who can be bad sometimes. I always call myself like the angel with one wing on fire, <laughs> you know, in my halo, mm-hmm. sometimes I forget it at home. <laughs> um, and so every, like everyone, you know, in like the balance of life, there's the good side and the bad side. And so I like for our guest to share a Mala Santa story um, of when they were naughty or a time that they did something they're very, very proud of. Like, you know, it could be something from your childhood, even even that like, like you were a little traviesa or something and you know you were up to no good and you knew it. I was, but... I was never up to no good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my parents would, would beg to differ. Um, yeah, you know, I'll pull, I'll pull a sports reference out here. Mm. It was the only time in my entire career. I don't even think I really got a yellow card, but I did get one red card and it was in the very first pro women's soccer league, the WSA, Women's United Soccer Association. We were playing the Washington Freedom, which was actually Abby Wambach's team, uh, Mia Hamm. Um, and I got into a little tiff with one of the players, which it was her fault. She, <laughs> she came at me first. I was protecting myself, yes. but I fouled her, started walking away from the ball. And she was upset, so she got up and lunged at me. But where she wound up lunging was essentially an area where I, I essentially put her in a headlock, <laughs> which was a, literally a natural reaction. Yeah. I'm, I'm d- really defensive right now. But headlock and then threw to the ground. So that was kind of uh, my just natural response. Um, so they threw both of us out, out of the game for that. And then I think... Something else happened where everybody was in hysteria and someone from our, our team got thrown out of the game. She was on the bench. Abby actually got a red card at the end of the game too. Oh, wow. so, so the game, it was, the game was, it was a heated. messed up game. It was, it was so, a heated yeah. game. I mean, so that's, that's a little bit also, of it. There's, I love it. I love it. That's, that's, yeah, that's like the mala. I guess that is mala santa. It's like right? the santa and you just had to defend yourself so you can show others that they should just not take this kind of, um, you know, approach ever and, and set, set the tone. Right. But also of course, nobody, you know, once you get a red card, you're like, shit, why yeah. <laughs> did it I have happened. to get it lost happened. in the moment? <laughs> um, but hey, we're all human, right? But yeah, that's that's hilarious. That's, that's really. Awesome. I gotta look it up. I'm, is it on YouTube? You know what? I think I, if you can find it, let me know because I ho- hopefully it's not. But yeah, oh let me know goodness. if you find well, it. Well, thank you for sharing <laughs> such an honest Mala Santa story. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. My for pleasure coming into La Sala, and I hope it is not. It's the first of many conversations we will be having because I know we got a lot of work to do. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. All right, mi gente, I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, uh, Man, I have so many amazing things to say about this special person. She is a comedian, a talk show host, an actress, and now a fellow owner of Angel City. My girl, Lily Sang. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I also low-key woke up and I was like, okay, you're going to do something with Becky. She's going to look super fly. So this is what you're going to do. You're you're not even going to try. You're just going to go in your t-shirt. <laughs> you're not even going to do your hair and makeup. Literally, like, you're so fly that I felt like I shouldn't even try. Stop. <laughs> just, just stop. Just showing you, you that girl love. I'm so you, proud of you. Yeah, Congratulations okay. on this. Thank you. Well, the feeling is so mutual. When I was putting together, um, as I do, you know, as a proper host, I have to do my research. I want to invite guests that are of substance and have so much to say. And you were like one of those people. I was like, yo, she has to be on this episode specifically because I think that some the journey that we're both embarking on with Angel City is just so badass and so special in so many different ways. And, um, it was like a surprise, a special surprise. I remember when we were on our first like investors call and everybody was like getting to know each other and whatever. Yeah, I, was yeah. like, oh my God, I know when I saw you, I was like, Oh my God, this is, I was like trying to slide. I didn't even know how to like really use <laughs> zoom. I'm like, can you direct message people? on It's like trying to figure it out. But I was so happy to see you. I know. Same. Um, where, okay. So you, you're in LA, you moved I into a new casita. Is that mm-hmm. where you've been spending your quarantine? I have. So I moved at the beginning of law lockdown, which was like the least ideal thing that could have happened yes. because I have no furniture. Um, every company shut down their production. So like I said, this desk is literally the only furniture I have. Um, but it's been good. I mean, I, I really do count my blessings. I think I'm quarantining. I'm safe. Uh, I'm with people I love. And so I'm just counting our blessings every day, regardless of the small inconveniences, you know? Right. Totally. No, I feel you on that. Um, but congratulations on, on having a new, a, a new space, a new safe space. Cause Thank I think you. that that's, um, that's always really nice to have, uh, that for yourself and to be able to provide that for yourself. You should definitely be super, super proud. Thank um, you. and yeah, so it's interesting because I was like really reflecting on like when we met, which now is like, I mean, I think you had been living in that house for like maybe just over a year or something yeah, like that. I think maybe it was like it was new. like 90 years ago that we met. Is what it, is what it <laughs> no, honestly, like. <laughs> it was like ages ago. And I remember like really like clicking with you because you were just like so... I really felt like we were cut from the same cloth. You were super humble, super welcoming. We were like in your space, invading it completely. Um, <laughs> and you were just like, mi casa, su casa. Like basically like, you know, my house is your house. And we had so much fun. And 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 it was like, it felt like, cause we were obviously we were doing Power Rangers promo for the people who don't know. Um, and we did like a little collab video. And that's when I really got to like learn about your story. And I know we come from the same space. Like I got discovered on YouTube um, when I was 14. So I, we we kind of like, you know, kind of bond over that same experience, but then to, you know, it's an industry that's forever changing and evolving in so many ways. And I want to ask you what it's been like for you, because you've, you know, you stepped into the spotlight and then things start happening. And then you're also a human being, you evolve, you change, and then the industry changes and there's pressures and challenges that come with that. Like, 
What has this journey been like for you since, you know, you came to LA? I'm, just, I'm really down for this free therapy session that's about to happen right now. <laughs> um, no, that, that's absolutely correct. And, you know, I think so often when you're in the positions that I'm in or you're in, you know, we do a lot of interviews and our publicists are giving us talking points and you always want to sound like an interview. It's like, I'm really grateful and I'm so happy. And I, all that is true. I am very grateful. I have an incredible career. I get to tell jokes for a living. I get to make people laugh for a living. What could be better? I'm so grateful. That's true. But I think the side we don't get to talk about as much is that, yeah, like real talk, it's hard. <laughs> like just like any other job, it's hard. It's really hard because there are so many pressures, especially for people like me and people like you, Becky, where you know, we are the minorities. We are battling this whole idea of making sure there's representation. Um, we are having to like check so many boxes and, and lift communities on our back. And that's a lot of pressure because yes, like you said, as a reminder, we are human beings. And sometimes I feel like that's not always recognized. Allowed. Uh, exactly. Especially <laughs> it feels like you don't have permission to be. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, and one for me, you know, what I've been going through the past couple months or even the year is just exactly what you said. I came from YouTuber. I did everything. There were no gatekeepers. I was the director, the person that operated the camera, the writer and everything. And then you move into more traditional spaces, for lack of better terms. And then suddenly it's like everything that you did to build yourself gets questioned. Like, you know, it's like my jokes get questioned or like what I want to say gets questioned. And people try to put filters on me and people try to say that. I should do it this way. And I'm just like always negotiating my authenticity with what people expect me to do. And it is, you can't go completely one way and you can't go completely the other. You have to always every day wake up and find that balance. And y'all, it's exhausting. It's, <laughs> it's so really draining. Exhausting. It's so yes. draining. I never really liked how people were so dismissive of like putting individuals like ourselves in boxes and labeling us or saying we're not allowed to do certain things or jump from here to here because of the industry standard, you know, or you only get X amount dollar sign because that's just industry standard. And then I look at what is Angel City and like home girl, I just have to congratulate you. And so I want to ask you like, why Angel City? Like what made you, how did it come about and what made you want to get involved with the the club. I'm, I'm going to give you some real, real tea here. There's going to be no, there's going to be completely authentic, real, real. Answer. That's all we do here in La Salle. Okay, good, good. Yes. So let me break this down for y'all. We're on this investors call, the one that Becky and I were talking about recently. And there's a whole gang of awesome people on it. And I'm sitting there sweating because I'm like, yo, I know nothing about soccer. And I don't want to admit this to any of these people here because I'm not one of the owners of the soccer team. But the, when the opportunity of Angel City was presented to me, I was like, I don't know much about sports. I don't know. And I feel like this has to do with the fact that I grew up in Canada. So different sports were just big for me growing up. Um, and I was like, it doesn't even matter though, because the reason I'm so about Angel City is anything that's supporting women, I'm for. But I also believe that you have to be part of the founding team and you have to be part of the discussion of people who can control things for real change to be made. And the reason I say that is because you know, I am a late night host. And when I became a late night host, there was a lot of headlines that were like, you know, currently the only woman of color and only bisexual. And there's all these headlines and all these firsts. And I think people understood that, okay, Lily made space for herself in this industry. She dragged a chair to this table. And I think very often we think that's it. She dragged the chair to the table. Like she's made it. She's done. I think people look at me and they think, She's made it like she's done it. She can do whatever she want. But what I've been learning is that dragging the chair to the table 
just starts a whole new arena of obstacles at the actual table. <laughs> like being at the table, does, you got to then have like a dinner plate. Then you got to be invited into the dinner conversation. And then just yeah. like all this other stuff happening at the table. So at every turn, any opportunity I have to be part of like the, 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 the people who can make decisions have power and have ownership because ownership is so expensive. I'm going to jump at that, especially if it has to do with um, women's women's sports, women's anything. Equality because, across the exactly. board. Yeah, because and I, things are not going to change otherwise. I just see us and I'm just like, yo, we are a force to be reckoned with. 100%, 100%, yeah. That's exactly correct. I'm like, yeah, I am not a pro at soccer, but you know what I'm super passionate about is gender equity and making sure that like people are treated the way they deserve to be treated and that change is being made. And I'm just learning how change actually happens. It's not by talking the talk. It's not by any of that. It is by strategically making moves and making those alliances and saying like, I don't agree with this. So now I am going to make sure that this changes. I love that you said that. And this is us being able to, like you said, have a seat at the table and be able to, I guess, use that as leverage to better the conversations to better the questions that are being asked within the room um, and and really speak to, like I said, what has been our experience even just in, in our spaces. And I know you're, you're first generation Canadian, right? Your parents are, are Indian. Yep. And, and I see it all the time and a lot of the content that you make and everything, like a huge inspiration comes from your Indian culture. And I want to know, like, even going into Angel City, like, is there like I guess certain experiences or like lessons or advice that have come from like the traditions that like your family has taught you um, or that they've just shared from their own personal experience. I think what I really do get from my parents, it's perhaps nothing they've explicitly said, but I more so think it's just the example that they've put forth. I can like be that annoying daughter as much as I want being like, oh, my parents are so annoying. This is, but I know deep down that I probably wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for my parents solely because what they showed me from the day I was born until now is that giving up is simply just not an option. Mm. Like it is not an option that I ever saw anyone in my family take. It, they had the immigrant hustle, you know, they came from India. My dad had three jobs. He reminds me of this every day, but it's true. My mom had to learn a whole new culture. They restarted their life and like have so much to show for it. And giving up was never an option. It's just in my DNA to, if you see something and you want to work towards it, then you just get it done. And if you fail, you don't give up, you find another way to get it done. And if you fail again, mm -hmm. guess what? You take a step back and you find another way to get it done because there is no other option. And right. so I feel like that is very much so embedded in my DNA. I, I love that because it's like, what's that quote that everybody uses? Like whenever you feel like you've failed at something, like all you have to think about is like, you're not starting all over again. You're starting from experience, right? And it seems like your parents have lived many lives in their one life to be able to show you, you know, and for you to live um, and learn from their lessons as well. And I think that that's really beautiful. I feel the same way. I have a similar relationship with my parents, although my grandparents are actually the ones who immigrated from Mexico okay. to the States. So my parents were also born here in LA. I always get this saying, they're like, you're not Latina. I'm like, don't make me show you, you know, and you probably feel the same way. Cause like, the people are like, you're Canadian. And you're like, no, 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 but I'm Indian. Like yeah, I, I, exactly. I identify as I'm proud of the culture you know, right. and, and everything that comes with it. So, mm -hmm. um, I love that. And, and thank you for sharing that. Cause of I think it's really, yeah. really special. It can't be underestimated. It can't be underestimated, especially 
on days when I have so much work and I really feel like giving up, I am really grateful for that little voice inside of me that goes, all right, have a sad day and tomorrow we're going to try again. Like that voice is so special. That voice is really special. <laughs> 100%. And it's, it's especially speaks to like the mental health side of everything that we are experiencing, you know, aside from the amazing news of what is Angel City and mm-hmm. our, you know, coming together of an of a amazing team and, and founders um, for the club. But like, you know, to completely dismiss the fact that we are in a global pandemic, you know, that COVID has, you know, affected people in so many different ways and some communities more than others. Like, um, I want to ask you, like, how, how has COVID been for you? Like, and also on top of that, everything else going on in our society, because also right. you're Canadian and like America's kind of a crazy place right now. <laughs> so like, yeah. what's occupying your energy the most right now? Um, you know what? I will say COVID is obviously horrible. I feel like it's been in our lifetimes, probably one of the most devastating, difficult things that we've experienced thus far. But I've been really trying to be like, okay, what is the meaning of this? What's the silver lining? What is the positive I can extract if there is any positive? And I will say during COVID, during quarantine, I have gotten the chance to just reflect a lot on priorities, what is important, what I care about, what I want to spend my energy on. Um, and one of the things that I think I've gotten really good at during, there's a few things actually during quarantine is one is I'm really intentional about my time now. So I think before, because my schedule was so busy, I would just be on my phone for hours sometimes, you know, red light, look at my phone, elevator, look at my phone, just constantly. And now I have eliminated that from my life. I'm like, I understand the negatives of just having too much information, too much energy being bombarded at you all the time. And COVID has showed me that if you just eliminate that a little bit, you have so much more clarity. Your energy is yours to protect. Um, So that's something I've been really focusing on. And then also just to be real, what we're talking about before, I think when I was in like the hectic schedule before COVID, I was like, okay, so I'm making content. Um, I should make it a a little more Indian maybe because like this Indian video did good or like maybe I should make it a little more like this because this didn't perform. I was so in my head about what to make because I was looking at the stats, listening to the comments, doing all that. And during COVID, I had so much free time that I was like, I'm just going to make things that I think are funny and that are fun. And so that's just what I've been doing. And it's been performing better, better than, than ever. Else. <laughs> exactly. And that's just sometimes I think what I just life got does. Out of my head. Yeah. I just yeah. got out of my head. And that's, that's some amazing advice. And I hope that whoever's listening to this, like just keeps hearing this amazing message, like throughout this, this episode, even I've heard a lot of people share the same experience, which is like the, the look choosing, like there's a choice to make, right. Which is, looking at the glass half full and not half empty and and seeing all of the good that can come from this. And and it is very hard. I mean, I, I know I've been very privileged throughout this, you know, experience. I've had my days, you know, I've always been very vocal about my mental health, but, um, you know, it's, it's knowing that everything happens for a reason and prioritizing, you know, ourselves to be able to then go and help others. Cause I know I find a lot of happiness in, in being able to be of service to other people. And, but I can't, I'm no good to anyone if I'm, if I'm not good, Absolutely. you know? And, and sometimes I think for us who are such hustle mentality, who are like, work, 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 where can I get involved in? Is it Angel City? Is it this? Mm-hmm. Is it that? Like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of things at once that by the time you know it, you're pouring from an empty cup. So you can't even look at the glass half full nor half empty. You're just right. like, I just, where's my cup? Right. You know, where's my cup? I don't even know where my cup is. Yeah. 
And so like, it's really cool to hear you, you know, share that you're practicing self-care by like really finding your new balance and like leaning into that. Also just like realizing that some of the stuff we did is straight up unnecessary. I'm just gonna call it out right now. In this industry, we do a lot of unnecessary crap. We do. I can't tell you how many 12 hour trips I would take to New York because if you don't come to this event, you can't be on the cover of this thing. And if you have to do this meeting in person or else this and this is not gonna happen. It's like, you realize now that, oh, actually everything can happen. All those things can happen. Um, and yeah, so I've just been taking a step back to, to recognize what's really important. I wanna ask you, maybe it's like too personal, but like what has been your own personal, like biggest obstacle when it comes to your mental health? I know for me, it was like anxiety and depression went hand in hand. So like once it hit me, it was like crash, burn. Like I was, I thought I was done, you know? Um, Has there been a moment or is there a a time in your life that you look back at and you're like, man, I really like, I didn't see the light at all. Yeah. I mean, why I started my YouTube channel was because I was in that spot. You know, I was, that was probably the time in my life where I was in my darkest spot and I I just felt so alone and I felt so lost in life. And and that's why I started a YouTube channel to find this community of people online. Um, But even beyond that, because I've talked about that story a lot, I think um, if I'm being real, like my mental health surrounded around the time when I came out was probably not great. You know, that's a very scary thing for people to do. Um, Whether you're in the closet or whether you've come out already, like I just want, if you're listening to this, I just want to applaud you either way, because I know personally how extremely terrifying that is. I don't think I've ever done anything scarier in my entire life. Um, But I know during that time, my mental health was just it was strange because I'm a logical person and my logical self would tell me that your friends are not going to treat you differently and nothing is going to change in your life. Like I logically know that I have many friends in the Mm -hmm. LGBTQ plus community. So I, I know this, but I think at that time my mental health really suffered because I did get my, my self confidence and self esteem got to like a depressingly low level just because of the stories I would tell myself about that experience. You know, I would tell myself like, but what if like all my fans leave and unsubscribe for me? And what if I can't travel anymore because like people don't like me for who I am? And so I really started to get into my head and I went into a really dark space because of that. And it honestly didn't matter what anyone would tell me or reassure me Like that's what I felt at that time. And so that was definitely super hard. Um, and so I always try to just show love to people going through that because it's inexplicably hard to do, you know? It is. No, and I relate I relate a lot to that, you know, because I feel like um, that's that's the, the bummer about, you know, even like anxiety, like reading and learning about it. And it's sometimes even just the subconscious mind that you think you're in complete control and then your body just re- rejects all commands. You're freaking out. You're like, why do I have so much paranoia? What the heck is going on? Oh my God. Like, and and it's because in your mind, your, your body can't tell the difference if this right. thing is really happening mm-hmm. or if it's just the stories in your head that you're you're painting your body's just going through it either way right. you know so even though yeah you should know that your your family's gonna love you the same your, your friends are gonna love you the same it's like your body's still like but what if, of course what if, what if, you know and it's sure. totally yeah. and so like what what did you do or what do you still do because I know for me like I I fortunately um, how was able to work myself out of that space. Like I still, like I said, you said, I, I have my days and I allow myself my day, but I know better now to like how to get out of it. Um, but I, I practice certain things that allow me to like 
really reflect um are there are there any things that you oh do? yeah let me get a list out i am all <laughs> for this type of stuff self-care and like finding what works for you and i, think I love it's so it important for people to find what works for them because mm-hmm. so often we see these practices online you're like that, that doesn't like resonate with me so what i do personally is i try my best to always not react to things when I feel a certain strong emotion. That's the first thing. So if I feel really upset or feel very panicked about something, I will try to separate myself, be alone and just breathe for a second, whether it's 10 minutes of just me breathing and meditating, because I don't want my impulsive reaction to dictate how, how I'm supposed to feel or act. Right. The other thing I do is when I'm in these anxious states, my brain operates on a lot of assumptions. It operates on a lot mm. of like, I'm pretty sure. And like, this is probably what it is. You know what I mean? Like I, I will make Preach. up the worst yes. case scenario out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to make a list of things I know for 100% sure and not things I've assumed. So like in any given situation, I'll be like, okay, um, I feel really stressed because these people probably think this about me. Did they say that to you? No. Okay. Um, why, what evidence do you have that they think this? I just feel that way. That's not a fact. You just feel that way. So when you start writing down like what you actually know, you look at it and you realize that a lot of this is me filling in blanks that I should not be filling in. Um, and that has really, really helped me because I will make up all the stories in my head. Which is like, again, it's a good and bad thing in what we do because we are so great at creating exactly. and storytelling exactly. in so many ways. And um, it's cool that we have this like creative outlet that allows us to like, like you said, like stumble upon these really awesome opportunities. Like what is Angel City or like what is having your own talk show and like... I'm just so like proud to know you, oh, dude. Like this you. is the really cool. Is so extremely mutual. Like I'm not even just saying that it's so extremely mutual from the first day we met. I was like, I really like this girl. I like her vibe. I like what she's about. And I, when I, your team was like, Hey, would you want to be on Becky's podcast? I was like, cancel everything. <laughs> I will be on Becky's podcast. Well, I'm showing honored. up for people is so important. And I will Thank always show you. up for people I want to support. So anything you need from me, I'm, I'm on your team. Same. Well, I'm down to, you know, I mean, stay up really. I know you don't film really. I don't really film late. at one thirty, but yes. You don't film at one thirty in the morning, but hey, we can stay up till one thirty in the morning yes. and uh, do, exactly. do a talk show because I'm with it. So now on to lighter things because we've got a little mo- a little emotional there, um, which is okay. You know, we, we like feelings here in La Sala. Um, I want to go to a little bit of a lighter conversation. Uh, it is a music podcast. So we do talk a lot about music and how music is connected to so many things. Um, and so play that track is a fun thing where I get to kind of see what's on your playlist. Like what are you listening to yeah. through the coronavirus quarantine mm-hmm. time? Um, what is getting you through? and like it could be fun songs happy songs sad songs yeah so i have um two go-tos during quarantine two genres i would say and i'll get into specifics so my forever for life go-to for any mood that i'm in no matter what is soca music i love soca music caribbean music i I am like it it is my second language i am very proficient in soca music (laughs) it is the best pick me up music if you this are listening true. to this and so a lot of people especially in america don't know what soca music is but if you're listening to this and you're like what is soca it's basically music from the islands and it is so upbeat and so feel good um it is all about 
freeing up yourself, being free uh, and just vibing out. And it is fantastic. Um, so Soka music, I love my favorite artists are like Marshall Montano, who's my good friend. Um, I really like Moto, who's good. So if you've never heard of these people, just Soka music. If you want to start with one song, if you're like, I need a, I need like a tester song or whatever it is, just Marshall Montano, Fast Wine is where you Fast can start. Wine. That's like okay. a good staple song. Otherwise, like just getting into the, the uh, Indian Punjabi vibes, um, one of my favorite Punjabi singers just released his new album. His name is Diljeet. So if y'all want to mm. feel like being cultured, um, <laughs> he released an album and it's so fire. And it has just been like helping me as well. Um, and then, of course, my timeless music to go to is also anything by Bob Marley. I think Bob Marley doesn't know it, because in, but in spirit, he is my therapist and has helped <laughs> me through many, many things. I um, love it. But me just floating in my pool listening to Bob Marley is probably how I get through most of my life's problems. I love it because I'm just picturing uh, when all of this is over and we do our first uh, Angel City Investors game that supposedly all of us need to participate in, which low key, like the inner soccer girl in me is like so ready. I'm like, gonna throw I'm that. but I just picture 100%. you with your like headphones, yeah. like yeah. geared up and everything. Everything hella nervous just listening to some Bob Marley like yeah I literally if we play that game first of all I just want to know I can't run or kick, <laughs> or, or kick a ball so like this is gonna be very very interesting oh it'll be a good time for sure Now, now, my uh, one of also one of my favorite parts of the podcast okay. is uh, the Mala Santa. I feel like everyone, we all have these, you know, this duality to us, these two sides. There's the good side and the bad side, the Mala and the Santa. Yeah. And so uh, I want to see if you would be so little cultural lesson for me. I like yes. This. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to see if you'd be comfortable sharing a story of when you were either naughty or Ooh. something like maybe you're really proud of and like changed someone's life. And that was like the Santa in you that like was calling you to just like so either or, or either both. or or you can do both it depends Ooh. whatever you, you want to share she's like i got hmm. all of them <laughs> you know this is so hard for me because i'm such a square person that was scared to ever do anything bad and if you can relate i was just like i can't do anything bad my mom's gonna whoop me um you know what I can give you a story to demonstrate how square I am and how angelic I am, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, as a kid, I don't know why. I always question why we remember these strange memories as kids. I'm like, what did this mean? Okay. I had this bouncy ball as a kid that I loved. And it had a character inside of it. And I don't remember what the character was now, but it was like maybe like a Flintstone or something. And it was, I would play this bouncy ball all day long and I loved it so much. So my mom's like, all right, I got to go to the mall and run an errand. I'm like, cool, I'll come with you. Obviously going to bring my bouncy ball. Come on. I'm like all through the mall playing with my bouncy ball. We walk into the dollar store. My mom needs to grab something, obviously. So then we're by the cash register and I'm holding my bouncy ball. And what I see on the counter is a box full of the same bouncy ball, bouncy the exact ball. same one. Okay. And in my brain, I'm like, they're going to think I stole this bouncy ball. And I don't want to like make my mom or get in trouble. I don't want to do anything. So I took my favorite toy and I put it in that box. No. And, and that I was walked it? Out, and I walked out. That was it for the bouncy like, ball? That was it because I was like, I don't want them to stop my mom. And I don't want this oh to be a thing. God. I gave up my, and this was like at the age of like five or something. And you I was just, Santa. I, exactly. <laughs> now let me try to think of a time I was bad. Hold on. <laughs> let me just try to remember real quick. Oh my God. Well, poor, I mean, I feel bad that you felt that way. I, I did that once, but I, I walked out with it hoping no one would notice because I really wanted it. 
And I remember, <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, it was just, it wasn't good. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, like, this is kind of petty and naughty. Yeah, it might be more petty and more sad. You guys can edit this out if you want. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but when I first started making YouTube videos, obviously I would have a few people that would like say mean things to me. So I would 100% make fake accounts and 100% resp- reply to those people and be like, Lily's actually really cool. And maybe you're lame and you're the problem. <laughs> oh, and like, you're the problem. The this is just a reflection of yeah, your character. Exactly, exactly. So like for the first five months making YouTube videos, I definitely had a gang of fake accounts and I had like an Excel sheet oh, of their usernames goodness. and passwords to pop you know what's, people. You know what's really important to acknowledge in that though? Just the toxicity of the platforms that we work in and the lengths <laughs> it will make you go to, mm-hmm. to just feel like you have, like, cause you do, you feel like you have to explain yourself in so many different ways to people you don't even know. It's really, it's, a tough space so actually you know i'm sure you're not the only one i i i've never made a fake account but i know my my family they're the ones that are like i, I want to respond to blah, yeah. blah, blah. i'm like don't do it it's yeah. not worth it you right. know but i i feel you there's definitely times where you're just like who are you yeah. to be speaking about yeah. the thing yeah. yes. like it just exactly. it's not mm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I still, I don't know if I would consider that mala. Okay. I'm a pretty, I'm not but it's okay. I'm a pretty square person. It's, it's okay. You know what? We can be squares together. Cause I'm not that mala either. It's like the only time that the mala comes out of me is like my alter ego, like artist. Oh, me too. If way. I'm like trying to be an artist or I'm performing on stage and I need things to be a certain way, or I need like a hundred percent i will i will be a different person but with like that, that it's not the intention to be mean or naughty it's just perhaps no, how it comes it's out. just yeah it's just the like i said it's all the alter ego that we gotta you know yeah because if it was like the real me that's like home all the time i'd be like uh, i don't want to go out yeah, i don't want to do exactly. that are you sure that's a good idea yeah, that's, exactly. that's me all the time going out with my cousins i'm the, right. I'm the mother hen i'll be like just as drunk as everyone and then boom right. sober up because so-and-so's 100%. gotta get home exactly. you gotta make sure that yeah no that's me we're mm-hmm. we're like i said that's why we get along yeah there it is yep. we're two well, squares two squares two and a squares in a pod. I love it. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, this is just like the first of many awesome conversations that we're going to be having. Like I said, I'm so glad we're friends. I'm so glad glad we're part of Angel City. Um, I'm so just proud of what we're going to do. And it's going to be amazing. Same. All right, mama. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. All right, mi gente, if you have been here in La Sala before, you know what time it is and how we wrap every episode. And if it is your first time, let me explain to you what we like to do. We like to dedicate every single episode of In La Sala to a different grassroots organization. And it is super important to me that if we're going to talk about the culture, we're going to give back to the culture. And this episode is going to be dedicated to Goleadoras. And uh, it's a really awesome organization that for more than 10 years uh, has been making change all over Latin America uh, by empowering the poorest neighborhoods with the magic of football. And yes, real football, not American football. We're talking about, I guess we call it soccer here. I call it football now because, you know, I'm dating a footballer. So I got called by the real name. And their work is amazing. They've worked with UNICEF and the UN and many other private sector partners in Haiti, Venezuela, Mexico. Um, and they've honestly, they've transformed 
lives and you know the youth i think is something that we need to really focus on on providing them these opportunities and these outlets to express themselves to have places where they really feel like they belong and they can make an impact their ambition is to improve the physical and mental assertiveness um, by reinforcing you know self-confidence giving them you know teams teams where it provides a space where they feel like they can belong and improve also you know their physical um, conditioning and I think it's amazing that they focus on teaching girls the power of collaboration and perseverance. So if you guys want to know more or contribute further uh, beyond just listening to this episode, um, you guys can do that at goleadoras.org. All right, mi gente, thank you so much for stopping by La Sala. I want to give a very, very special thanks to my amazing guests for joining me today. Don't forget me, your girl, Becky G, at I am Becky G on all social platforms. We are here every week, so you guys can like, follow, and subscribe to Amazon Music to join the party aquí en La Sala. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.